0: Welcome to this TV show.
1: Hey, hey, Team Stevia, and welcome to episode 117 of The Stevia Show, a talk show podcast that covers pop culture, world news, local artistry, and everything in between. Uh, This is Stephen. Lydia is out on business this week, but joining me today is Professor Joe. So how are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing well, Stephen. How are you? Doing great, and thanks for being on. We have a really fun episode today. We're really excited about it, Um, but we would like to thank our previous guests, uh, Josh and Chuck from Z104.5, and that was a really fun interview. Learned quite a lot about the radio and stuff. Stuff like that, but we're going to go ahead and get our sponsorships out of the way. So, funding for the Stevia show is brought to you in part by the following. Today's episode is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Bravado Wireless is your go-to when it comes to all things connected. Now that spring has entered the chat, it's time for some spring cleaning, and that might mean it's time to upgrade that old phone. Starting on April 15th, you can get half off <coughs> excuse me, half off a brand new iPhone 12 or Samsung S9 for new customers as part of our new premium data plan. For more information, call your local Bravado Wireless store or head to bravadowireless.com. And we are also brought to you by community members like you. Remember, you can support us on Anchor or Patreon for as little as 99 cents a month. Thanks. So I don't think that we have a meme of the week right now, um, but w- since Lydia isn't here, um, I, d- I actually did see a movie. So, Joe, have you seen Godzilla vs. Kong yet? I have not, but okay. I want to. Okay, gotcha. So, um, th- so I'll go ahead and review it really quick. So uh, basically, the description of the media is legends collide in Godzilla versus Kong as these mythic adversaries meet in a spectacular battle for the ages with the fate of the world hanging in the balance. Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home and with them is Gia a young orphan girl with whom he has formed a unique and powerful bond Um, so basically I think the people who ran the movie knew that it wasn't going to be very good Um, so um, they basically threw away um, character development and stuff like that and just made it all about um, the big monster fights so it was pretty good so I think as long as you don't expect too much from it um, you'll be entertained by it Um, I'd give it a 7.7 Seven out of ten, and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a seventy-five percent fresh. So it is worth seeing. Yeah, that, yeah,
0: um, that's better than a lot of movies that are expected to be bad. So,
1: yeah. And then like Millie Bobby Brown was in it from Stranger Things, and like I forgot that she was even in the movie and stuff like that because it was mostly about Godzilla and Kong. So, mm-hmm.
0: and in the last Godzilla movie, didn't they like heavily emphasize that Brian Cranston was in it and he was in it for like a scene?
1: Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was like built, I think, like third or fourth in the like in like in the credits and then he was in it for like yeah a scene mm-hmm. so yeah because i've i seen that one but not the second one because i think this is the third one of the trilogy i'm not too certain, but, um, anyway, it's, um, it's, you know, it it was good. So, uh, Joe is going to be talking to us today about homebrewing mead. Um, so mead is a delicious beverage that we're going to go, um, that we're going to talk about today. So Joe, just to get started, what exactly is mead?
0: So mead is an alcoholic beverage that is brewed with the, uh, primary brewing agent being honey. That's going to be what the yeast feeds off of in order to make you alcohol. It's similar in wine, making the the primary uh, agent is grapes in beer. It's oats, barley, hops, and all those kinds of things um, for more distilling, which is very, very much different than brewing. But uh, for things like rum, it's supposed to be either molasses or cane sugar. So there's usually some kind of sugary, carby substance that is used for the yeast to be able to feed off of in order to make the alcohol.
1: Gotcha. So basically, so like tasted ingredient-wise, it's different from wine and beer because like mead, I feel like, I mean, I've had it before, but I feel like it's not not as coarse as beer is, if that makes sense. Mm. And it's not as... It's not as fruity as wine is. I think it's kind of like a good middle ground. What do you think?
0: Uh, I would agree. And depending on the level of sweetness to the mead, because there are different levels of sweetness, uh, it's going to be either very sweet compared to either of them, or it's going to be a more dry taste. Uh, I think the... Uh, classifications are like dry, semi-sweet, sweet, sweet, and super sweet. And I've done a lot of super sweet and sweet meads, but I think the one we have here is going to be, uh, the first one at least is going to be a, uh, sweet or semi-sweet
1: Okay, right on. Cool deal. Um, so Joe, uh, when did you start making mead and um, have you, are you, do you do this by yourself or do you have a friend who does this with you? Um, what's kind of the story?
0: So I've been homebrewing um, since I'm wanting to say 2016 or 2017 with a friend I met at work. Uh, at TCC, I don't want to say any names because I think he wants his his name to remain private. But we do all of our home brewing together. We have been stalled because of the nature of the pandemic, and we haven't been able to brew since probably 2018-2019 time era. So a lot of these bottles are a little bit older. But in a lot of cases with mead uh the longer it ages the better to an extent uh so let's just hope they they still taste good today
1: oh i'm sure they do yeah so you've been brewing this since 2016 2017 so that's about five years of brewing mead
0: ish yes okay Uh,
1: so we've done our we did a,
0: a three different one gallon batches for our first shot and then for our second one we tried to do three different one gallon batches again and then we did Two one-gallon batches for our third attempt, and then we did one that made a lot of the stuff that I brought today, and that was a 12-gallon batch that we split up into uh, four three-gallon different flavors that we wanted to try
1: okay right on cool deal um so i guess before we start um you know i'm going into the ta- the tasting which i'm really stoked for um because i haven't had mead in forever um so tell us about um <clears throat> so tell us about the flavors you brought today and what's this first one that we have so this first one is going to be what's called a typical show mead
0: which is basically just indicates that the only ingredients that are in it are water yeast and honey there's nothing else in it that is adding to the flavor it's i think we use something like three pounds of honey per gallon or something like that it's been a while since we've done it but i wanted to start off with the show mead because it's the most base flavor the most uh just typical mead mead and the other flavors that i brought with me um we have ones that are all inspired off of the various hogwarts houses so we have a uh ravenclaw mead that is brewed with Butterfly pea flour to try to get a slight blue tint as well as some raspberry flavoring. Okay. Um, we have a Hufflepuff mead, which is uh, made with banana flavor and chocolate flavor. Ooh, okay. We have a Gryffindor mead, which was brewed with or in secondary fermentation, which we can talk about what that means in a bit. But in second fermentation, we put in apples as well as put in uh, cinnamon and then. Put a tiny bit of oak barrel aging flavor into that too so it's a little bit more of a lot of people compare it to kind of a whiskey style okay but it's not nearly as as strong as a whiskey would be and then the slytherin mead is it, it we we heard about this flavor on the internet and we were like that sounds weird but everyone on the show that we were watching them make it and was like this is actually really good like this is surprisingly <laughs> good and it's uh the only ingredients that we added to it are a little bit of green food coloring to give it a slight tint and spearmint
1: oh okay cool cool yeah so if haley was here haley um hpr from the discord she'd be really stoked because she is all about harry potter (laughs) and stuff like that so uh do you want to go ahead and um, give us a taste yeah sure cool all right cheers uh this is gonna be good oh man that's tasty that is really good joe I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So this one was, you call a show mead. So, um, so why do you call it a show mead? A show mead is basically, I
0: I don't know why it's called that specifically. It's been a long time since I looked that up, but all it means is that the only ingredients that were used to make it were honey, water, and yeast. There's nothing else in it. It's just the base meat at its sole components, nothing added to the process. So, okay. Again, I don't remember exactly why it's called that, but uh, I assume it would be something along the lines of if you were comparing different brewers show meads, they were all told to use the same ingredients for something, then this would be like the basis or something like that. I don't know.
1: No, that makes sense. So this is kind of like your baseline mead, something that is, I guess you would say traditional, like that's a Mm. traditional, traditional mead. Correct. Okay. Right on cool deal yeah so let's go ahead and try the other ones and i i, I also didn't ask uh, ask you what kind of equipment do you need to make mead um
0: you need carboys which are uh containers that are either made of glass or plastic uh that either you can do the primary fermentation and secondary fermentation in or you need a, a bigger unit like a, a stainless steel um like brewing chamber which we have we have a t- i think it's listed at 15 gallon but we don't typically go over like 12 because we don't want it to overflow by any means uh but it's it's something that you have to make sure to maintain clean and clean between each use so it doesn't get tainted or doesn't introduce unnecessary agents that mess with the flavors um and then after you do the primary in a big batch like that you would split it up into the carboys to be able to do various different things with the same base batch
1: Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so uh, while you're getting that one out, um, I do have another question. Um, so whenever you make the meads, like we, we you're talking about the different um, the different Harry Potter ones that we're gonna be trying today, yeah. um, are they all from this mead, or do you brew it differently?
0: We we did a different batch for that one. So this okay. one was uh, part of our third group of meads that we made. We originally had brewed three and. One of them, we just had leftover honey, and we're like, it's not as much honey as we had been using for the other two batches, but we wanted to you know, use everything we had, so we made this one. It was not as sweet, uh, and it, it was funny because since we were not investing as much into it, we called it the stepchild meat. Oh, gotcha, so okay. It, it's the one that's just like, eh, whatever. Eh, screw it. That's the stepchild, whatever. If it, if it gets messed up, it gets messed up, and funny enough, it's the only one that didn't spoil. So oh, gotcha. <laughs> the, the other two that we made in that batch were a cranberry pomegranate which before spoiling it was amazing and then we made a blood orange and dates mead which was definitely interesting my favorite was the pomegranate cranberry but both of those ended up spoiling we we'd left them in one container for too long they started Uh, growing mold and we were like oh let's just toss this out
1: gotcha gotcha um, so, uh, so what's this next one that you're pulling out?
0: I don't know. Uh, what is your Hogwarts
1: house? Um, I actually think I'm either a Ravenclaw or a Slytherin. Okay. I, yeah. So let's do Ravenclaw.
0: Let's start with Ravenclaw. So <sighs> those it,
1: colors are so pretty, dude. It,
0: it turned out green because of the butterfly pea flower. We put it in secondary when we should have put it in, uh, the water in primary and then it would have been more blue, but it ended up turning green because green, because we put it. The, the butterfly pea flower in secondary. So let me take that off, we'll toss that. Sorry, I'm turning away from the mic. No, oh, no,
1: you're good, dude.
0: And, Alexa. oh, this
1: looks fun, okay. <laughs>
0: I just, I bought this specifically for this because these corks that we use to to do it crumble really easily. And so I wanted to get the, uh, the air one. Oh, nice. Okay. There we go. Very cool. And so, yeah, didn't do the, the crumbling part, and we don't have to try to strain it or anything like that. So, definitely, definitely a positive to using the awkward uh, pumping corkscrew, I guess is what it is. Gotcha. All right. There you go, yes, sir. So,
1: these colors are so cool, dude.
0: Yeah. We had fun with them.
1: All right, and this is the Ravenclaw one. Yes, so we okay. brewed this with
0: butterfly pea flower, which should give it kind of a rose hips type of flavoring, as well as uh, some flavor, uh, just like raw flavor for mm-hmm. raspberry. So that'll probably be the
1: strongest one. Oh, this sm- ah, dude! This smells so tasty. Dude, that tastes like juice, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like. like- i appreciate it we
0: when we first tasted this after it was done we both agreed that we think it would be better if we used um a drier recipe so that Uh way the raspberry wouldn't clash with the honey as much because it is a very sweet mead Mm -hmm. and we think that it would just uh synthesize better if it was a drier taste from the initial mead and then the raspberry and the uh the flower petal taste would come out a little bit stronger, but it didn't turn out bad. It's just personally from the Harry Potter meets. It's my least favorite.
1: Oh, gotcha. And what's your Harry Potter house? You're a Gryffindor, right? No, I am a Hufflepuff. Oh, you're a Hufflepuff. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I took the uh, Pottermore quiz a, uh, a while back and I think I either got Slytherin or Ravenclaw. I want to say Ravenclaw. Um, and then next up, uh, which one do we have?
0: Let's do Hufflepuff since that's my house. So okay. we've got the golden color. We didn't have to add any f- extra coloring to gotcha. it because this is just the natural color that mead is, which was really cool. The chocolate flavoring did make it darker and it made more that gold color. So it's not as pale, which we really were pleased with that. Okay. So this one is also very, very sweet, too. Uh, but considering the flavors are banana and chocolate, we think it works a little bit better than the uh Ravenclaw one, Mm -hmm. but it still I think could have been better if we didn't use quite as much honey.
1: Gotcha. So there's that. Get the corkscrew back. I will stabilize the table.
0: Yeah. So I'm sorry for all the popping that you're going to
1: hear, guys. (laughs) Nice.
0: And then get the cork out of the corkscrew and then we can move on. So I'm no, sorry I turned away from the mic so
1: Dude, much. you're good, man. No worries. No okay. worries at all.
0: Let's get the next little cup.
1: These little cups are so cute. I'll yeah. show them to the camera. They're just little tiny solo. shot
0: glasses. Little tiny solo
1: shots. Yeah. Alright. So um out of all the Harry Potter house meads that you have, which one is your favorite? Is it this one?
0: Uh it's gonna be either honestly um Slytherin or Gryffindor. I mean, I like the Hufflepuff too, but again, mm. I think it's almost a little too sweet. This is definitely what you would consider more along the lines of a dessert wine. Okay, it's it's very sweet, and because of the flavors that we used in it, it makes it even more
1: Ooh, so. If you smell it, you can kind of smell the chocolate and banana in it. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, this is so cool, man. Like, I have like no skills like this, like whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, like I can tell you what tastes good, but I can't do any sort of brewing or anything like that. This I is mean, cool. It's fun. Oh, that's tasty. Yep.
0: like that one quite a bit. All right, so I'm going to save what I think is the best for last, which I think okay. the Gryffindor is honestly the best. So okay. let's get slow the one out next. All right. And this one is a nice green color.
1: Ah, that's so cool. Okay. It looks kind of like a port wine, almost.
0: Uh, a little bit, yeah. There it is. I was like, what am I looking for again? <laughs> so let's get the... Oh, no. I'm going to have to use
1: cutters gotcha there we go nice i'm prepared
0: <laughs> oh this one looks like it was put in a little bit uh crookedly so let's hope that there's no
1: issues with that uh surely there won't be yeah there it goes
0: that one wasn't as loud of a pop thankfully i, I assume it's peaking every time it pops
1: oh no it's all good dude Yep. This reminds me kind of like of the uh, YouTube show hot ones, except we're instead of eating hot, hot wings, wings. We're trying <laughs> we're, we're trying meads. Yeah, which I'd rather be doing this than eating hot wings And
0: We're probably both feeling fine now, but all of these are <laughs> probably like between 14 and
1: 16% alcoholics, so we might be getting a little tipsy by the this. Hey, so. that's fine. That's fine So if we're a little silly apologize not I that we need to apologize for being silly. I think that's... So this one
0: is the one that's made with spearmint, which sounds strange. But as soon as, like... It, Ooh, it smells good. As soon as it touches your lips, you're like, okay, those work a lot better than I assumed it would. Okay. So, cheers. Okay, let's try cheers.
1: Dude, that does taste good. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Which you wouldn't think because it's a... Um, um, <laughs> a mint with a sweet flavor, but it it really does.
1: Yeah, that was delicious, man.
0: Okay. Let's pop that in there. And get Gryffindor.
1: Nice. So this is the
0: Harry Potter of the Meads. This is the Harry Potter. This one's the most complex in flavors because we put in apple cinnamon and oak barrel aging. So there's there's more flavors in this one than there are in the others. Nice. And honestly, I think it, it, it turned out to be the best one, and I think we... This is probably the one we nailed the most. If if we were going to remake these, we would probably change it so that they wouldn't be the same base batch of mead. So that way we could make the Ravenclaw mm-hmm. a little bit drier and maybe the Hufflepuff a slight bit drier, not too much though. Uh, Slytherin, I think, would work better about semi sweet to dry. This one, I think, I would want to leave as is, if not maybe just a tiny bit. Like instead of super sweet, probably just a, a sweet mead. Gotcha. Ooh, this
1: one's stubborn. Boom! Big pop. All right. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. So this one you think is the best?
0: I I do, and most people that I've done tastings with agree that this one's the best. We did add a little bit of uh, red food coloring as well to kind of get that that rubyish color. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm spilling on the oh, table. No, you're good. And I will put the stopper in tried to color coordinate with the stoppers, but there's no yellow ones. So. Oh, no. Okay, Hufflepuff gets purple. Gotcha. Okay, so those are off-screen now, and all cheers. Right. Cheers.
1: Dude, I honestly couldn't tell you which one I liked the best. Those were all delicious.
0: That one's changed in flavor, so it might have changed in aging a little bit. Because it's not as intense of an oak barrel I still can sense the oak barrel quite a bit but it's not as intense as it used to be so I think that one's mellowed out with age which I'm happy about
1: okay Cool deal, yeah. So now that we're nice, uh, five shots deep, we can keep on talking about me.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I will say I did bring a sixth bottle, but because that one requires uh, heat and it's it's better served warm or hot, we we decided not to do that one. Also, since I don't have another stopper that we can use for it, I didn't want to open it and be like, "All right, Stephen, we have to finish drinking uh, oh, this." Oh gosh, right that'd now. be bad.
1: I am such a lightweight dude. Like I'm gonna be probably feeling this here in a few minutes. Yeah, um, yeah, because I don't really drink a whole lot for uh, people who. Um, P- P- uh, for people who know me, they, they know that I don't really like the drink, but mead is an exception. It's yep. delicious. Um, and I'll,
0: I'll go ahead and just tell you about that one. So that one was part of our first batch ever, or oh, part nice. of our first three flavors we tried. We wanted to try to make a a butterscotch mead. That was the attempt, because we were like, what if we did something kind of inspired by butter beer? Because mm-hmm. we Ooh, are we okay. are Harry Potter fans, and that that ended up leading into the idea for the, the house meads. Um, but... We, we wanted to try to do something kind of inspired by um, butterbeer a bit. And so we the only thing we could figure out was you can buy um, butterscotch-flavored oil. And you can you can do that with mead, but we couldn't get one as quickly as we needed to. So we're like, let's, let's use pudding mix, butterscotch pudding mix. Ooh. Um, we did that, and we put it in primary, which basically meant that the yeast was like, oh, this is just more sugar for us to eat. Mm-hmm. And so the butterscotch flavor is hardly there. At all? Oh, gotcha. <laughs> we ended up trying to put in a little bit of uh, butterscotch oil later, but still, it, it doesn't shine through at all. We also, since uh, butter beer was a described in the book, at least in my mind, it it was described as a warm drink. It made you feel warm right. and fuzzy a little bit. So we added some spices too. We added cinnamon and cloves. Ooh. Okay. Um, and when we first tried it cold, we were like, "Oh, this is this is a bit weird. it's, it's, it's not great." And then I was like. Well, we, we were reading in our book, uh, which we can talk about in a little bit, about a a, a version of mead um, called a metheglin.
1: A metheglin? Okay. That, is, there's your word for the day metheglin.
0: Yeah. Metheglin, which is a mead that is spiced and typically served warm. And so we were like, since we use cloves and cinnamon, which are technically spices, what if we try to serve it warm? Because we didn't like it at all cold. And so we, we heated it up on the stove and served it and it made it infinitely better. It made it so much more palatable. Okay. So I, I, I do have that bottle here, and I'm, I'm hap- happy to leave it here, but I would say do not drink it cold. It will not be very pleasant. Okay. <laughs> gotcha.
1: Gotcha. Um, so how was making me different than making wine or beer, or is it still kind of the same thing? Because for alcohol, everything has to ferment. Right. Correct. Okay. Um,
0: so it's it's definitely different from beer. Uh, it's closer to wine, and I'm starting to feel it kick in now. So Same
1: here. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all right, let me just chill out for a second. Just a, second. a little yeah. bit uh, <laughs>
0: of loose now, but um, it is more similar to wine in that you, you combine the water and the fermenting agent, in this case honey instead of grapes with, we actually use wine yeast. Uh, there, there are different strains of yeast that produce <laughs> a certain amount of alcohol within drinks and the one we used is typically used more for home brewing wine because it usually once you get to about 14 to 16% alcohol content mm-hmm. it kind of hard cuts off. Even if you introduce more sugar it won't produce much more uh alcohol content to the mixture so that that is the um the process for that you can make stronger ones um you can make weaker ones there are i don't even know how many different terminologies off the top of my head there are four different types of meads but i I mentioned earlier like show mead is a type of mead a metheglin is a a spiced mead that is can serve, be served warm or cold but in this case this one should be served warm um and then there are melomels melomels okay there's um, another word for the day it, it is a, a mead brewed with fruit in the secondary that would Ooh. be what uh the gryffindor mead would be classified as because we did put apples in it uh and that's what we mainly deal with because we did the cranberry pomegranate we did the orange uh, blood orange date we did uh, one of our first batches was cinnamon peaches. Ooh, um, okay we did a ras or er, raspberry? Yeah, I think we did a raspberry mead. So that's a mellow mel. Um, and I, I think that is the one that is easiest to do because literally after you do the f- primary fermentation, and I'll go ahead and explain what that means. Primary fermentation is usually just honey, water, yeast in the mixture and you let it sit for like two weeks to a month. Okay. And it does the primary fermentation. Then you do go through the process of what is called racking and re-racking, where you transfer it from one container that it's been in to a fresh, clean one. So you try to start filtering out the dead yeast cells and the dead uh, particles and all that kind of stuff so you can make it clear. And once it gets into the new container, that's when you can start secondary fermentation, where you can introduce things like fruits and other things to really impact the flavor. It might start the... Fermentation process up a little bit again, but usually in secondary fermentation, the primary is done. It's at the alcohol level it's meant to be at, or that the yeast has been basically biologically engineered to get at, and then it. Basically, we'll just start taking on the flavor oh, of those fruits. And so that's how you do the, the part process.
1: Cool. Right on. Um, so are, are different types of mead harder to make than others?
0: I would say yes. Uh, there are... Because um, whenever we first started, we we thought you had to put the fruit in the primary. And when we did that, the, the fruit flavors don't come out as much because the yeast... F- Feeds off of both the fruit and the honey, and it all turns into all the sugar turns into alcohol, and not much of the fruit flavor comes out. But when you introduce it in the secondary after it's done most of the fermentation process, it will pull out more of that flavor into the profile of the mead. Um, It it's also going to depend on the type of mead. A show mead is really not hard to do. You just basically have to do the primary fermentation and then rack, re rack, over and over until you get to the point where it's looking clearer it doesn't have sediment at the bottom and then you need to let it age for uh eight months to a year oh okay um there are there are guides on the internet on how to brew mead fairly easily uh doing just that process and then the book we have that helped us figure out the other processes for different types of ingredients uh tells us how you go about the other different types of meads uh there's also, another type of mead that I I did memorize for today called a braggot. A braggot. Okay. Um, it is basically a more beer style of mead. Okay. You uh, the the best way I can put it is from what I just I, I read. You put about fifty percent mead that's already been brewed into mead and fifty percent beer that's already been brewed into beer into the secondary and then mm-hmm. let that mix together and then it becomes a more beer style of mead. It's not as alcoholic, but it's it's more of a uh, a beer sessionable type of thing. It's not something that you necessarily be like, all right, two glasses and you're going to be feeling good. It's going to be more <laughs> like something where it's like, Oh, I could probably have four and you're good. Okay. Because it's, it's a hot, less alcohol content. It's not as pure flavor or how you put it. coarse. uh, it's, not, it's a little bit more coarse because it's made with beer, but it's, it's a different kind. There's also ones where you brew them with, like, meads you can brew with chili peppers, so you can get some capsaicin in there. You can do a bunch of different things with mead, it's a lot of fun.
1: Gotcha, yeah, and it sounds like it's a really versatile thing, almost kind of like with beer you can add in the different, um, you can add in the different flavors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, um, so, I mean, unlike beer, because like beer doesn't taste better as it ages, like beer tastes gross if it's old. Uh, So does mead taste better as it ages?
0: Uh, Typically to a certain point. A lot of people, uh, and I I learned this just uh, fairly, like within the past two, three years, People are to the assumption that wine um, gets better infinitely as it ages. But there's actually, for a lot of commercially made wines, there's a hard cutoff point where basically if you wet it too long, it's just going to taste like vinegar. Oh, no. And it's going to look gross. It's going to be just disgusting. I think I had a I opened a bottle of like 1995 type of wine that my parents bought from the liquor store. Uh, for like I think back in the day, like fifteen to twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and it just tasted like vinegar. It was gross. There are wines. Whoops! Oh, hang on,
1: let me go see what the dogs are doing. Hang on. Hey, dog interruption.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's okay, boys. Okay, I think they're fine. I think um, they're just
1: bored. So sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, you're good. Uh, there are different types of um, wines that you know are meant to age for a long time, and they and they do get typically better with age. Those are typically the more expensive wines. So if you've ever seen like a bottle of wine that's that you're like, oh, I would never buy that in a hundred years because that's it's way too expensive. Those are going to be more along the lines of a wine that can continually age more more so indefinitely, still not indefinitely truly, but mm-hmm. they can have a longer shelf life. Um, I, I think meads typically have a, a very similar type of style to mass-produced wine. This, I think the oldest bottle we drank here was f- three or four years old. Okay. Um, I don't know how much longer it would keep beyond that. Um, I mean, it's still fine now. It'll probably still be okay for at least a month now that we've opened it, but um, if we had you know done this a year or two later who knows what it would have tasted like gotcha. so mead does typically keep longer than beer but uh, and you can probably make certain meads that would you know age indefinitely and be tastier and tastier as longer it goes but i think the ones that we've been making are more along the lines of you know probably drink within uh the first 10 years after making it if if wait that long if you wait 10 years it still might be gross who knows but
1: gotcha yeah sounds good um so if someone if somebody wants to start um making mead what are some resources they can use to get started
0: um so we really really um watched a a youtube group that documented their mead making process when we first started uh it was a channel that is no longer uh, a it, they still have the channel, but the the group and the business that was behind the channel is no longer existing. It's called the Creatures, um, but they they documented their whole mead making process, which kind of uh, inspired us a little bit. And then they recommended a book called uh, The Complete Mead Maker, okay, uh, by Ken Schram, and we even bought that book. It was at the the local homebrew shop, and we use that very heavily when we're making our own mead, um, and. The local homebrew shop here in, in in the Tulsa area is called high gravity uh they're super friendly super nice people I, I could not recommend them enough if okay. if you explain what you're wanting to do they would be happy to give you recommendations or be like yeah bring some down to the store once it's done and we'd be happy to try it out and let you know oh nice and give you like tips and stuff so they're a, a wonderful resource um and that's that's kind of at least around here. There are usually homebrew shops mm-hmm. in a lot of major cities. Funny enough, I know that there is a homebrew shop pretty close to um, – NSU in Tahlequah because I've driven by it before whenever I've gone to Tahlequah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So yeah.
0: they, they have one. I can't remember the name of it. I've never actually been in there, but they have a homebrew shop. So if the, you, there's a homebrew shop near you, that's going to make things a little bit easier because you won't have to order everything offline. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you'd be able to go in store, pick it up, and or even order it in store. It gets shipped there, and you don't have to pay the shipping, and then you come and pick it up when it's ready and pay whatever you need to pay. The the nice other thing about high gravity is not only do they do uh like selling of homebrew supplies. But they also do classes, so you can learn some of the process, some of the beginners of it, and you can sign up for those types of things. And they even have a a whole second half of their store, which is their tap room, because they brew in house too, Mm -hmm. and you can try the beers they make. Uh, They don't typically serve their meads and wines in the tap room, but you can still buy what they make, be uh, mead and wine wise, on their homebrew side of the shop. And it's it has to follow since it does sell liquor and alcohol. They do have to follow. Liquor store guidelines, mm-hmm. so they're open usually Monday through Saturday. I don't know what time they open, but usually until nine PM. Okay. And then the tap room, since it's it's more of a bar, they close down the um, the homebrew sh- side of the shop, and they leave their tap room open. I believe um, from about five PM till midnight ish. Okay. Because you just go there because it's basically a bar.
1: Okay, right on. Cool deal. Um, So I know for beer, they have a lot of different homebrewing competitions. So do those exist for mead? And if so, would you want to enter your meads into the competition?
0: Um, I haven't heard of any local mead ones. I'm sure there's some that are national, which would probably be harder to break into, I know I just within the past couple of weeks learned of a, um, the fellowship of Oklahoma ale makers, which is a, that local sounds
1: super cool. Sorry to interrupt. That no, doesn't super rad. The fellowship of local ale makers of Oklahoma, of ale. Oklahoma ale makers. Okay. And I think
0: their acronym is foam. They're, they're foam. <laughs> um, but they, they are not only a club that you can join. And I, the only reason I hadn't joined is because I didn't know it existed until like this past month and I haven't home brewed and probably at least a year and a half because of COVID. And because we were actually right before COVID, my homebrew partner and I were like, we want to try to make our first beer. And we bought the kit and we were going to do it. And we're like, let's start doing it on spring break when we both have a lot of time. And of course, spring break rolled around and COVID's a thing. So we (laughs) we had to put it uh, on hold indefinitely. And now he's married and is expecting a kid. And I'm like, is this even? Are we even going to be able to do this after COVID? Uh, if we do, it'll probably be wherever I end up getting my own place, uh, because I, I wouldn't want to make them home brew stuff with a child in like the next room. Because we've been keeping it in their spare bedroom, and their spare right. bedroom is now going to be a kid's bedroom. So.
1: Cool. Right on. Um, so this is something that you and I talked about a little bit on discord. So why is it illegal to sell homebrewed alcohol? Uh, because if I can buy a gun from you with no background check, I should be able to buy alcohol from you. Like to me, like, like that, just doesn't make any sense, you know? And, and I do agree to an
0: extent. Um, I, I do understand why a lot of the, the laws are in place that doesn't allow you to serve or to sell alcohol that's made at home because you are selling a, a product that's meant to be consumed, that's meant to be imbibed, and there are health and um, like federal drug administration like logistics behind that. You you don't want to be brewing something and just sell it as is because you don't have to track what's in it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that makes uh, alcohol specific is any, at least my understanding, especially when it comes to mead, wine, beer, and all that kind of stuff, every type of alcoholic beverage you plan to sell commercially, you have to get the recipe approved by the FDA. Okay. So that way they can track and put it on like the bottle or the label. What's in it? Because if we made a mead that had strawberries uh, as one of the agents to flavor it and someone's allergic to strawberries and we're like, here's a bottle of mead and someone buys it and they drink it and they die because they're allergic (laughs) to strawberries, then, you know, not only am I at fault because I failed to tell the person that, but you know a, a whole family's lost somebody that this is important to them so I, mm-hmm. I definitely agree that a lot of those laws are in place to not only protect the the consumer but they're there to also protect the the producer as well however i do think that a lot of uh other laws regarding home brewing is a little bit archaic here like i think uh i, I remember when my friend and i were talking about at one point potentially starting our own brewery i don't think we're going to do it at this point but uh we we we're looking at some of the laws and it has to be so many feet or so many yards away from a residential area. And we're like, why is that a thing? Right. That doesn't make sense to me, but I do agree with the like FDA standards and stuff like that. And I do agree with that. However, I also think that a lot of Oklahoma laws in terms of alcohol are very outdated and they need Mm -hmm. to be updated. And luckily in recent past, we have had a lot of those things updated and changed, but there's still a little bit of ways to go.
1: Gotcha. Sounds good. Uh, so, what kind of batches do you want to make in the future, and will they be inspired by their series? So, like, I know you—I know you personally are super into Pokemon. So, like, will you do like different meads like based off of Pokemon types? Or, um,
0: I that one I, I have thought about. I'm not even going to lie, but it'd be harder to do because how do you make a a liquid? beverage that's inspired by fire types.
1: That's a good point, unless you um, just want to make it really spicy mead.
0: If, <laughs> if we wanted to do that, it would have to be a methegalin, which is either served hot or one of the ones that are brewed with chili pepper, so it has a lot of capsaicin and is very spicy in general. Um, but I, I have thought about that. We do want to revisit some of the ones we've already done. Like, we want to remake all the, the Hogwarts meats that we've made, but tweak the recipe so they're not mm-hmm. from the pr- same primary batch. But we want to, like I was talking about earlier, we want the Ravenclaw one to be drier so that the, the raspberry comes out a little bit more. And instead of using raspberry flavoring, we would want to use actual raspberries. But when we made it, the raspberries were not in season. So we we're like, that's, oh, that's, that's, gotcha. that's not a good idea. Um, we want to retry the the... Pomegranate cranberry because that one was so good. But oh, I bet we let it spoil, and that's on us. Uh, and so <laughs> that's just the the risk of some of the the batches you do. We want to. We we had talked about wanting to do beer and different types of beers, and from that, I wanted to make a a mead with the one I described that's more beer like. Um, so there are a lot of things I still want to try, um, but it, it's just going to depend on the nature of COVID and the nature of how my homebrewing partner, my friend, and his life is panning out considering he's he's uh, expecting a kid now, and I, I know that that's going to be his primary concern, and that's 100% should be his primary right. concern. So if, if uh, we do more mead and stuff like that, I do want his input in all of that, but at some point I think it's going to be like I do some meads on my own without his input, but... I still want him to be part of the process because I know he enjoys it. He's, it's a really fun hobby. It's very relaxing in a way. And it's, it's a fun collaborative nature type of endeavor. Um, so yeah, I, I do want to do that.
1: Cool. Right on. So before we head into Stevia sound off, Joe, is there anything else that you want to add about mead or the different meads that you've made?
0: Um, I, I will say that if you've never tried mead, definitely do so. There are some great, uh, places that you can get mead in town uh, one of the most common commercially sold meads is is chaucers i think you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier to me that you have uh had chaucers before i have it's it's definitely good it's not bad at all uh they have their show mead again honey water yeast and they have their raspberry mead um there's some other companies like the moonlight meadery uh they don't sell as big of bottles and they're still at the same prices like one of the bottles that I brought today. So they're a little bit pricier. They're still good, but uh, it's just, is it worth it? Cause it's in like the same size as like a slightly bigger beer bottle. Okay. Um, and then there are, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the route 66 vineyards in Oklahoma. Uh, no, I have not. There's a, I think, I think it's called Route 66. But there's a vineyard in Tuttle, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. that they make their own wine, and they do put out a couple of bottles, of, a couple of batches of meat every year. They have a wildflower uh, honey mead, and they have a. Um, Orange blossom honeymead and orange blossom honey. It has a slight citrus note. So there's different types of honey you can even do that will change the flavor profile. Okay, we've, we've looked into a bunch of different types of honey that you can do. And he, my friend that I homebrew with, he actually knows somebody who has a, um, I, I believe, a eucalyptus farm in Australia.
1: Ooh. And okay.
0: If we wanted to, we could basically get eucalyptus honey and tr- see what that would taste like. And uh, you can do like um there i'm just trying to think of the different types of honey cuz there's there's so many there's like sagewood mm-hmm. there's traditional honey there's uh clover that's the traditional uh there's wildflower there's orange blossom honey there's um i forget there's something that it, it has a slightly sour note to it i forget the name of it but different types of plants produce different types of honey there's right. even a uh, an apiary which is a, a bee farm um in uh, California that has been able to teach their bees how to make honey from uh, marijuana plants. Oh, okay. Um, obviously, we wouldn't be able to do that here because they'd be like, oh, there's marijuana in it. No, no, no Oklahoma, no. Right. Um, but the, <laughs> it, Medicinal it, mead. <laughs> it, if if we were ever able to do that legally, that would be something really cool. The other issue with that, though, is because it's such a niche product and not very many places in the U.S. can even make an AP area for it. Uh, based off of marijuana and because it's just so hard to train bees to be able to make honey off of that stuff, mm-hmm. like a a 10-gallon bucket of their honey costs something like $600. Oh, wow. So okay. it's like... Uh, I don't know if that's worth doing like a a fun batch for, um, so, but there there are so many different types of honey that you can play around with and that will change the flavor in and of itself. And we want to be able to do that because all we've been ever been able to use is clover honey and wildflower honey. There's nothing else that we've been able to do. High gravity does sell like orange blossom honey. It's a little bit more expensive, but uh, I've had orange blossom made. It's so good. It's probably my favorite type of mead. Okay. if you've never had me, definitely try it. There are probably going to be at least one or two types of bottles at a liquor store, especially in the Tulsa area. Um, I, I go to Park Hills for a lot of my wine and beer, and I know that they sell Chaucer's Mead, and they've sold mm-hmm. Moonlight Meadery in the past. There's one that uh, – a meadery that's in Colorado that I think I've been able to get a couple bottles for. Um And then I've also been able to find that Route 66 Vineyards Meads at a couple of local stores too because it's a local business.
1: Yeah, and I would definitely recommend everybody to try Mead. I mean, it's just something that... I feel like here recently has become more popular and you're you're just now able to actually find it. So I think it's something that for sure that everybody should be able to try at least once.
0: Yeah. And actually that just reminded me, they don't sell it at liquor stores, but there is a distillery company here in Oklahoma called Oklahoma Distilling Company. And it's actually located in downtown Tulsa. They make their own like rum and vodka and uh, whiskey and all that kind of stuff on there. But they also have a meadery that's called the Angry Bear Meadery. Oh, okay. And it, it is housed within the same facility. And I think they've been closed because of COVID. But once they open up, I've had their mead before. It was they they made, I think, I think it was made with hibiscus.
1: Ooh, that sounds good. It was okay. a little bit
0: sour, but it was it was good. And once they're fully operational again, they can open up their tap room again. I'm I'm sure that they would love anybody to come by and try their their not only mixed drinks made with their Distilled liquors that they make, but also um, the meads that they brew as well uh, at Angry Bear, which is their, their their sister company owned by the same person. And the reason I know about that company is because I I worked with uh, somebody back at TCC when I was in testing, and her husband is the one who started that company. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, I've been able to keep in touch with them. And before COVID, I even got to go down there and try some of the mead. It was really good. Oh, nice. I, I would definitely recommend them. Once they're fully operational again, I know for the most part, when COVID first hit, they really changed their production from distilled liquor to sanitizer because they were like, sanitizer is alcoholic in nature. We can just repurpose our stuff and make sanitizers, so we can give that to frontline workers, to hospitals, to various different entities. And I was right. like, the fact that they did that, I was like, that's awesome. They didn't mm-hmm. want to just be like, well, we're going to keep doing what we do and just try to sell it more. Um, to different liquor stores. They're like, we want to use our equipment to better the cause. And I was like, that's amazing. So shout out to Oklahoma Distilling Company and Angry Bear Meadery.
1: Yeah, that is awesome um, for sure. And um, so we're going to go ahead and head into Stevia Off, which is a section where Team Stevia sends us questions and takes, good or bad, we don't care. And as long as they're within reason, everybody on the show will answer them. We post a weekly thread on our Instagram story and our Twitter, and we have a dedicated channel on our Discord for the section. So in the mailbag this week, we actually have three questions from jtag and one from me so we're stoked about that um so since we didn't get to do stevia sound off last week we'll do it um we'll do the ones from last week today uh so what really grinds your gears is the first question that jtag asks what
0: really I um, um... There's a lot, but I will just go with my like general pet peeve that I typically go with. And every time I list it, people like make a joke whenever I list it. I hate being interrupted. And usually when I say that, people will be like, oh, and then try to interrupt me intentionally. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you do that? But yeah. I, I don't like being interrupted. I am the youngest uh, child in my family. And uh, growing up, you're the youngest child was always the one that was interrupted because. When you're little, it's like, oh, they don't have anything worth to say. So as you grow older and you understand that that's why you were being interrupted, you're like... I have valuable things to say, say now, <laughs> so I, I hate I hate being interrupted. Um, furthermore, I think it's just a disrespectful thing. Like you're you're almost implying that what you what you have to say is more important than the person you're interrupting, and I think that's just a rude nature thing in general.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good one. Um, mine for sure is whenever people are like, "Hey, we need to talk," and then you say about what, and then you say, "Oh, I'll tell you later," and then that's just to me that that really grinds my gears because then i have to worry about it until later which is oftentimes you know hours away absolutely and a lot of times it's not even like a big deal Mm -hmm. for what i want to talk about so it's like stuff that i worry about that i shouldn't have to worry about so that's for sure mine
0: yeah absolutely i can agree with that
1: yeah um and then next up this is a really good one so um who would you want to be cast as wolverine if hugh jackman doesn't reprise the role um, yeah. and the background on this is they're actually doing a new X-Men correct?
0: I, I think so and I think that they're going to be introducing it in terms of it's still technically owned by Fox but since Fox is owned by Disney and Marvel is owned by Disney it's going to be the the official X-Men that's going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's oh, my right. understanding at least Okay. and there were talks that Hugh Jackman wants to reprise his role as Wolverine at least one more time in order to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe which I would definitely be okay with I think Hugh Jackman was an amazing Wolverine mm-hmm. but But as someone who I never read the comics comics growing up, but I read a lot of the lore on the internet about the comics. Wolverine, uh, originally written, is supposed to be five foot three. Right, he's not very tall. He's not six foot two like Hugh Jackman is. Right. So personally, if they recast Wolverine, I would want it to be someone who's more that original height and build profile. Wolverine is five foot three and something like. 260 pounds, but you have to remember that he's not overweight. He has metal that coats his entire skeleton. Right, right, right. So a lot of that weight is that metal, but he, he's, whenever I think of Wolverine, I think of a traditional like gymnast. If you are familiar with what a gymnast looks like, they're usually not super tall and they're very broad, stocky people. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually known a couple of gyms throughout my life, and and they're, they fit that height profile. They're not super tall; they're like maybe five foot six, usually at the, the uh, from what I've met, and they're broad, strong people that have really strong core muscles and just overall in really great shape. But I, I think Wolverine should be cast as more along the lines of his original height profile because, uh, in in tandem with a lot of what people are talking about in regards to body positivity and saying, you know, big is beautiful and there are crazy unrealistic standards for women. And I agree with that sentiment 100%. The same, not to nearly as strong of a uh, the same, as uh, nearly as strong of a notion, but the same can be said of men because oh, the, of course men in Hollywood are usually, you know, at least six feet tall and right. at least strong ripped people. I mean, you've seen all the Characters in the Marvel Universe. The shortest one, I think, is Robert Downey Jr. But whenever right. he's in the Iron Man suit, that adds to his height. Right. um And I, I think that they should focus on someone who's more along the height profile of Wolverine. I think I remember Lydia saying she wanted Henry Cavill, yes. which I think would be still an amazing casting choice, mm-hmm. but it'd be more along the same lines as Hugh Jackman. Tall, muscular. Right. Dude's beefy. Very, very <laughs> strong actor, so I don't think it would be bad at all. But personally, I would want to see someone more along the lines of... And this one is the one that I I, I go to just simply for the height uh mm-hmm the height factor Mm -hmm. like daniel radcliffe he's five foot four
1: i think he'd be a good wolverine i think they'd be kind of like a wild card pick exactly it'd be a good pick the
0: issue with i think him specifically is yeah he's he's fits the height profile but he's not a very stocky and muscular person he'd have to bulk up if he were to do it but i think he could do well especially because i forget the name of the movie he was in but where he was like an unhinged guy and he from like a I think he had like mental health issues and he was very grizzled looking and ha- was always threatening of people. I think he could make a really, really strong pick and it would probably help further cement himself from being typecast as, oh, he's Harry Potter. It's like, right. no, he's the guy who does all these things now. Right. So I think he could be a good pick. Um, I think I can't remember some of the other ones that we talked about, but there was one that um, Lydia brought up in the discord that would fit more of the high profile because he was like five foot. Was it
1: Scott Eastwood? Foot.
0: It may have been. Okay. Um, but there's there's some actor that a lot of people have been saying, in my opinion, he looks a little too young to be Wolverine, because Wolverine doesn't necessarily look old, but he also doesn't look like he's, you know, 20 years old. He doesn't
1: look like he's Peter Parker. No. Exactly. Yeah. Or so, was it Taron Egerton?
0: It was, I think, Taron Egerton.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I think he'd be a good cast for Wolverine, especially exactly. like a younger Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a definitive answer for this, just because like I know Hugh Jackman does an amazing job mm-hmm. as Wolverine, um, but I'm just not really good at like pulling up actors, you know, mm-hmm. like right now. Um, but I do think um, either Scott Eastwood or Taron Egerton would mm-hmm. be good, or even Daniel Radcliffe. I think he'd be a very kind of like whenever they cast. Um, robert pattinson as batman people mm-hmm. at, at first thought oh this isn't gonna work he's the guy from twilight mm-hmm. you know but then it turns out like whenever his trailer dropped everybody was stoked yeah about robert pattinson as batman or even when he's ledger was cast as the
0: joker right everyone was like that's not gonna work and then he knocked it out of the park on it right. it's like you, you can't you can't judge an actor based off the past roles he's done. If they're a truly great actor, they can work. And I think that's true for anything. If if they announced, like, tomorrow that Henry Cavill was going to be Wolverine, I was going to – would 100% be by that. Cause he's right. a great actor. He's done well as Superman as the witcher mm-hmm. and all these other roles. And I think he would be a very strong acting choice. However, I would personally d- just be disappointed because it's like, Oh, there's another tall, beefy dude in Hollywood representing a character who's supposed to be five foot four.
1: Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So that was a good, um, good question. And then the last one that you have are, is who are your most wanted characters for the final two members of the fighters past two for smash ultimate? Do you feel like those are realistic choices? If not, who would be more realistic to see? I think the last two are going to be Crash Bandicoot. I think that's a given. I think Crash Bandicoot at this point is going to be in smash. And I almost want to say Master Chief will be the second one. Which is very mo- much more unrealistic than Crash Bandicoot. But
0: um, I think personally, my my preferred two would be Crash Bandicoot Two. I I've been a big fan of Crash growing up, as well as, and I'm part of this like minority of. Or, this very vocal minority of people, but I really want Gino. Oh, and Smash.
1: I want Gino in Smash too. I but Gino I just don't Smash. think it's going to happen. I,
0: I do not think it's going to happen. So, in terms of characters who I think is more likely to happen, honestly, I think Master Chief is more likely than Gino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, Dante from Devil May Cry or a Monster Hunter rep or any of these characters. I think Crash is a fairly solid pick because he has been coming back into the the public zeitgeist a little bit more. Right. Um, but I think that's still a little bit more of a far reach. There are rumors that have been going around that in addition to the fighters pass they're going to come out with one extra secret character based off of like data in the game or from like the first fighter pass um, the one of the me costumes that they released right afterwards it was part uh, that was part of the fighters pass like group a little bit it was taking up the next like character slot Oh, and okay. uh, for this fighters pass there's actually a another slot that is not occupied by the the equivalent me fighter from the first one. So like I I I think it's something like, um, I, I can't remember who it is, but there's a, a certain me fighter costume that is included in Fighters Past Two, that is kind of a big deal for. And I forget who it is because it's not a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. But their character data in the game is two spaces after the final fighter in the pass whoever oh, it's going to be okay. and so everyone's like well what's that that character space in there so it's either going to be another me costume that we are unsure of or nintendo's going to be like we're not doing a whole nother fires pass but here's one more character to round it all out right and honestly if that's the case i think that that final character will be in nintendo ip i think so too but I think for the Fighters Pass, they are going to focus more on third party because that's been the general consensus with the exception of uh, Byleth mm-hmm. and Pyra and Mithra. Although Pyra and Mithra are Nintendo characters, they're from a Nintendo exclusive series. They're still from a studio that was originally outside of Nintendo.
1: Right. Right. And that's a really good point. I mean, And, and I think that Geno is going to be a hard one or I think another one that might be kind of on the realm of possibility is Sora. From kingdom hearts
0: maybe um i have heard that disney's really not wanting to play ball on that
1: which is sad but it really is yeah
0: what i i would love to see is you know final two characters most realistic thing in my mind would be crash maybe either master chief or devil may cry dante or uh monster hunter some of those characters but um Then that X if they do come out and they're like we're doing one more character and they just decided, you know, to heck with it Waluigi <laughs> uh, yeah, of course right
1: <laughs> make everybody happy with Waluigi um and then fu- and then the last question we have for Stevie's sound off is from me and that is who is your favorite butt rock band so for those of you who might not know um butt rock is a genre of music that y- if you like butt rock bands there's absolutely no problem with that i'm not here to disparage your music tastes um but they're on stations that say we play nothing but rock but rock butt rock and then it's just so bands like shine down stain nickelback Creed bands like that. Um, again, no problem. If you like those bands, you know, we all have, um, bands that we like that might not, you know, be what's it called the most musically talented, but that's okay. Um, and mine for sure is Avenged Sevenfold. That's my favorite butt rock band.
0: Yeah. I I think mine would be, uh, and this is pulling back to like very, like the end, almost antithesis of what people assume is butt rock is the band that does much of the Sonic franchise's (laughs) music, Crush 40. I don't care if their lyrics are not very, like they don't make sense put together. It just, it sounds cool and it's fun. And it reminds me of playing Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Adventure, and to a lesser extent, things like Sonic Heroes. And even though a lot of those games are not good. And I understand that I had fun playing them and the music whenever you're what, 12, 13, you're like, Oh, this
1: is awesome. Right? No, I totally agree. Yeah. Crush 40 is a good band, but they are kind of butt rocky. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show again. We really appreciate you. Um, really love the meads. I think my favorite one was either the Ravenclaw one or, Or the Gryffindor one. Mm. Those were my two, my two favorites. They were all great though. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. They were all really good, but I think those were my two favorites. Um, if I had to pick, um, so Joe, thanks again for being on. And today you can follow us on all the social media platforms with the handle at the Stevia show. Be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast on whichever podcast app you listen to. If you're on YouTube search for the Stevia show and subscribe with the notification button and be sure to check on our, check out our streams. We stream at least once a week streams can be found on twitch.tv slash and twitch.tv slash stvn 92. Follow us on social media to find stream schedules and anchor and Patreon producers are able to join in on multiplayer streams as well. And the local music showcase is coming back. Um, I'm very excited about that. We're either going to be playing um, Smash Bros or Mario Kart. Um, I'll probably have a vote for that, um, but we will be bringing that back. And we also have merchandise available through our links in our bio and our show notes. So whenever you visit us on Check out our Linktree and click on merch, and we ship nationwide as well. And thank you again to the following for supporting The Stevia Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Bravado Wireless is your go-to when it comes to all things connected. Now that spring has entered the chat, it is time for some spring cleaning and that might mean it's time to upgrade that old phone. Starting on April 15th, you can get half off a brand new iPhone 12 or Samsung S9 for new customers as part of our new premium data plan. For more information, call your local Bravado Wireless store or head to bravadowireless.com and we are also sponsored to sponsored by community members like you. Remember, you can support us on Anchor or Patreon patreon for as little as 99 cents a month and we really appreciate it um but again thank you joe for being on um we had a great time um with the mead hopefully people learned something i know i for sure did um because of the whole like fermenting and second fermenting processes um it was cool learning about all of that we really appreciate it Um, but for now this is steven and this is joe and we will see you all later bye